everyone. Welcome to another episode of Horror Stories, the podcast. I am so excited to have here with me today my friend G.K. Callahan. G.K., hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'm doing great. I wanted to, um, I just, I guess I met you in the summer uh, through um, an art fair that I was participating in and just knew that I had to have you in my life somehow, GK. So thanks for uh, hanging in with me and being on my podcast and letting me in the show that you had in November. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you in my life as well. I mean, let's not lie here. I mean, I, I during that summer, first of all, I bought two beautiful pieces from you, I think. And um, I got my dad to buy a piece for my mother as well. And um, yeah, this fall, I bought a couple more little pieces. So I, I think of you often as I yes. walk around our little bungalow. <laughs> yeah, and when I was walking around your house recently for the first time and seeing all of your art and realizing that you are also an artist, I am excited to uh, do the same. So please let me know about your upcoming events so that I can uh, do the same. I think I need a little more GK in here, <laughs> you know? It's true. It's true. So let's start out. I like to ask my guests uh, at the beginning, like, um, uh, uh, do you mind sharing your age? No, no. I am 38, but I will soon be 39. Oh, happy early birthday. Thank you. In just a few weeks here. And and what is your... Happy early birthday. Happy early birthday, GK. And what is your uh, sexual orientation? I'm gay. Gay as gay can be. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) all right what is your marital i am married um i have a beautiful husband um yes i'm not going to say his name because i don't know if he wants to be mentioned or not um but yes i have a lovely husband as you know just fun fun story for everyone listening i um i left my computer at home which was needed for this podcast and my beautiful husband you know drove it out to me um which was great so just to show how loving he Seriously. is. Seriously. Yeah. Just cool. And I loved your home. You have a beautiful, beautiful home. Just loved it. How long have y'all been married? We've been married about a year and a half. Um, and yeah, we've been together for about eight years. So That was my next question. That was probably the most important question there. Excellent. And um, are you... Uh, uh, can you say, are you a polyamorous couple? Or no, we're, we're couple? Uh, yeah, we can totally say we're, we're monogamous, but you know, um, we leave a, we leave an open slot on our dance card in case something really exciting happens. But I think, uh, right. Maybe a, gu- a, a guest, guest star, star or something. I, I don't think it would be against, um, our rules if we had a guest star, but you know, we, for the most part are monogamous and we really enjoy it. And, and I can tell you all about that later after you're done asking me questions. Cause you know, I just, for me, yeah, it's, I, well, we got, I think both of us it. got so tired being, being sex positive means trying to keep yourself healthy. And as a gay man, we spent a lot of time going to the clinic, you know, getting checked out, making sure we weren't spreading anything, making sure that we were getting regular HIV tests and all that fun jazz. And, um, you know, I, it's really nice having, having one dip. It's just nice having to not go through right. that every month. And, um, yeah, so to right. us, you know, being a little older, uh, we really like, you know, just knowing that we are safe with each other and that we can be comfortable and, 
Yeah. Right on. Flu- fluid bonded, married couple. Yes. Um, dig it, dig it. So, um, but you know, before you met, there were some, uh, you know, uh, uh, and not to say your horror stories have stopped. I'm sure they've just been enhanced since you've, um, met that wonderful man. But, uh, do you, can you tell us about any, you got any horror stories from your past that kind of, um, you know, highlights that you think of fun stories about, Hooking up. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a number of stories, you know, just because I'm not being anonymous on here. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, you know, be less right. detailed than but I'm, I'm gonna I can give you the gist. You and I talked a little bit ahead of time about some stories. And you know, one of my favorites, um, which I which I've told you already, but I'll tell you again is, you know, I um I ran a community garden in San Francisco that I um, I helped found. I built with the blind and people with disabilities. And uh, the space was a really interesting space. It was down kind of in between the Tenderloin and Hayes Valley on Van Ness Street. And so it was kind of in this no man's land across from City Hall. And I was there one day and I, I met this young man. He was pretty, he was pretty cute. And uh, we got to, um, got to chatting <laughs> and we, we decided to go on a date for some drinks and I had him back to the house, back to the little apartment, um, you know, to create some stories, as you might say. And um, <laughs> he needed to use the restroom. And he was in the restroom for a long time. And I eventually went in there and I found him shooting up in my restroom. And <gasps> oh. yes, I, you know, and so obviously, um, bad judge of character, maybe you might say if you're listening. But, you know, the funny thing is, because the garden had so many needles and, and issues on the space, I, I, I ran a slight needle exchange program. I always kept around um, needle lock boxes and I kept fresh needles to give to people. And so before I kicked his ass out of my house, um, I made him do a needle exchange with me. And so I made him give me his dirty <laughs> needles, which I put into a, a special, you know, box, you know, a sharps container. And then I gave him clean needles and then I kicked him out. And so I always oh love it. God. So it's like, oh my God, get out. But not until I give you clean yeah. needles. <laughs> so I always say, you know, I was a whore with the conscience, right? You know, like. <laughs> That's right. You were a whore who cared, man. Seriously, seriously. Um, my God, that one's hard to top. You got any others that kind of come to mind? Yeah, um, I, I once got um, uh, paid to spank someone, and uh, it was quite an interesting... Oh, talk to me about that. It was really that. quite an interesting experience. I, I was at a bar, and uh, I was going to look this up before I got on here. I can't remember the name, but an old-school San Francisco gay bar. It was kind of a, uh, a tradition... Um, an institution before it, um, you know, uh, eventually closed. And anyway, it was in the Tenderloin, again, one of my favorite neighborhoods in the city that I would hang out in a lot. And um, I was there drinking. It was pretty packed. And there was an old guy, older older gentleman. I wouldn't say he was old, old, but an older gentleman, kind of gnarly nose. You know, I don't know. He was just kind of a little funny looking. And he kept trying to talk to me. And I just was, you know, I'd just gotten off work. I just really wasn't in the mood. And, and so I kept turning away and he, I remember him grabbing my arm and look and turning me around and saying, how much, how much? And I was so offended that he thought that I was a little young whore. And I mean, a prostitute, not just, not just a whore. And I was like, what the fuck? And then the bartender, Ron, who's no longer with us, God rest his soul. I loved him. He mm-hmm. was standing behind the gentleman and he kept giving me these like thumbs up and doing like, you know, rubbing his fingers together like money signs, thumbs up, money signs, thumbs up, money signs. And then 
So I look at the guy and I say, for what? And he said to spank me. And before I could even, like, finish my sentence, I was basically being whisked out of the bar and thrown into a cab. And so we drive down the road and we go to the Mission District. And we walk in and this guy has this, like, tri-story loft. I mean, this is beautiful place. It's all modern. And, um, yeah, he gets on the bed, takes his pants off and gets on the bed in doggy style. And, and, you know, he said, well, what are you waiting for? basically. And I didn't, I was so green. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything. (laughs) So there was a little, there was like some magazines like in the corner and I picked up a magazine and I was like, tap, (laughs) tap. (laughs) And, um, obviously not what he was expecting, not what he was wanting. And, um, so I forget what he said, but he said something fairly derogatory about like, Oh, you little, or bitch or something, you little faggot. And um, I got so mad, I pulled off my belt and I just started <gasps> wailing on him, which he thoroughly enjoyed. He did that. He was trying yeah, to, it, trying he, to he, you it worked. It worked, whatever he was after. Anyway, I, um, yeah, I don't know how long I wailed on him. I'd say a good 30 minutes. I mean, like a long, you know, I mean, to where I, Whoa, I could not, I was is... just like going to town, like. It was like a therapy session Exhausting. like you couldn't even pay for. Like, I just, it was amazing. And so <laughs> then when I was basically exhausted and um, you couldn't do anything anymore, he and I kind of stopped. And he um, he wanted more. He wanted more. Um, and he said, you don't understand. Money's not an object. And he threw down cash, which I'm going to call my cab money. He threw down my cab money to get me home. And I said, money is... Is, is an object. I said, you don't have enough. You can't buy me. And I picked up the cab money and I left. And the funny thing was, I remember I, you know, I was a poor art student at the time. And I remember running to my friend's house at, I don't know what got some gondling at one in the morning or something and knocking on her door. And she opened the door and being like, what, what is it? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, look, we can eat. <laughs> we can... <laughs> and so, yeah. I got food money. I got money. food money. That's I'm sure right. we used it on food too, right? <laughs> you would, yeah, exactly, exactly. You wouldn't have hung around for you didn't you you made it clear that you weren't in it with him for the rent money, but you could go for some. Food yeah, I could money. go for some food money. But no, the next, I, I mean, money. for like two days, I couldn't lift my right arm. <laughs> I mean, oh my god! Well, I imagine like 30 minutes of really wailing on somebody—that is like a workout. That's like cardio. I mean, forget about what his ass felt like. I mean, that is just exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you ever see him again? I never saw him again, end? which is like, weird because I frequent that bar. I mean, it wasn't like the only spot I frequent. But, um, no, I, I never saw him again. I, I don't know what ever happened. So. Um, did you ever go to any sex clubs in um, in San Francisco or Oakland? I, I did go there? to sex clubs. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't something I did frequently. I, a lot of times I went more as a um, – to support a friend or as almost like a joke mm-hmm. or like a tourist. Like, oh, I had people in town visiting, so we're going to take them to said club or whatever. Um, it wasn't something that I really got into. But I had a, a good girlfriend. We're still good friends. Um, and she is – She's a teacher now, but she was a D. She she still is a DJ. She was a DJ at the time, and she used to DJ at this um, sex swingers club uh, down on Folsom Street. And the it was it, you had to buy an expensive, t- at least expensive for the time. It was like sixty bucks a person to get in this club, oh, but wow. it was all you could drink. 
the bar was free. And so, and she was allowed to get um, two sets of guests in, but they had to be male and female. And so they couldn't, they had to be, you couldn't just bring two guys, right? And so I remember at the time, I would always bring, I, I lived with a woman. We, we um, shared a little apartment, we slept in the same bed. We had this sort of will and grace thing going on. And so um, we'd always bring her and, a, and another another guy friend of mine, one of my gay buddies. And then I had an ex-girlfriend from high school who was really pretty. And um, uh, we were still good friends, and she lived in the Bay Area. And so the four, we would always go together uh, to these clubs so that we could basically s- oh, listen to my friend DJ. My it had nothing to do with the sex. We wanted to you know, listen to my friend DJ and then drink the free liquor. And so we would go early so we could like hang out with Gina and watch her DJ and bop around. And, yeah, I remember a- Alex is kind of a... She's a little prickly, and uh, she can be a little sassy. And I remember one day a guy walked up to her, and he said, oh, my name's Sherwood. And she looked at him, and she goes, oh, I'm sure you would, baby. <laughs> and I will never, <laughs> ever forget that moment. And so, yeah. But no, I, I, I've... Oh, my God, that's so perfect. I have, I'm sure, other other sex club stories, but, um, yeah, I don't nothing too graphic, but, yeah. I asked because the last on the um, last episode that I recorded with Sasha, we talked about this one that was in Oakland where you walked in. First of all, it's in this really weird fucking industrial, strange neighborhood, as so oftentimes they they can be. And then when you walked in, it was just like this old house, but it was like pieces had been added to it and all the flooring was all different and it was just a strange like you'd go outside and up these stairs to go to this fungin thing so you never you never went anywhere that sounds like that description no i didn't go to that place in oakland uh, most of the places i went were in the okay. um in the bay area uh, in san francisco you know i didn't have a car when i lived there i had I, you know i bicycled i was a, a lot thinner back then but uh, you know um but <laughs> also you know bart closes at midnight or did back then at least. And oh, so if you went over right. there, you'd be stuck or you had to pay an expensive cab across. And so I, you know, I mainly, you know, not, I did go over to Oakland all, a lot, but not, I mean, during the day, not, not at night. It had to be. Yeah. Unless someone had a car exactly. and was taking us over to a friend's house for a party or something. You know, I, we didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, Oh, you know, but the other thing too, about going to sex clubs is I, I don't know how familiar you are, but a lot of times, especially in places like San Francisco that are pretty liberal, um, the gay bars that men hang out at were, were also basically sex clubs. I mean, like there, there was not a lot of like, oh, you know sure. what I mean? Like I, we sure. used to go to some bars on Folsom and there was the back smoking Absolutely. area. You'd go out there to smoke mm-hmm. a cigarette and you'd be like just off work with your girls and you'd be like spilling the tea and talking some shit. And there'd be like, you'd be like smoking a cigarette and there'd be like, you know, a guy getting railed next to you and two guys getting blown and, you know, like it just like, and you were just like just awesome. talking about your work. You're like, oh my god, you can't believe what the HR ladies like at work or whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, the bar itself was often a sex club, even though it, it, absolutely. And, so, and my question was spoken like a true hetero because, and and I'm not. I'm actually pretty queer myself. But being that was, I look back and that was a funny question because yeah, I remember. Um, uh, there were some bars that uh, some gay bars where I felt sort of welcomed in Kansas City, like the cabaret. And there were some like uh, the Dixie Bell that were more like, yeah, guys just wanting to uh, to get down and maybe um, um, 
honestly, the the vibe for females was not super friendly back in the day. Yeah, I, I have a funny. Point. You just made me think yeah, of a funny memory like, of. Um, again, my ex girlfriend from high school's. Um, her name's Alex, and she she we were made friends. She's still family friend of, of ours. Comes home for the holidays and things like that. A lot of times to visit my parents, and uh, she lived in the Bay Area um, as well. And I remember one time she was coming in the city to go meet a boyfriend to go to like the ballet or whatever. And I was at this bar that after a certain time at night, it, it, it turned like clothing optional. And it was basically women were discouraged from being there. It was a gay men's scene. So it, it kind of turned into a mini sex club. And I remember she had made me for some reason a lasagna. And she showed up with this frozen lasagna. <laughs> We're at this bar. And it's about to turn like <laughs> witching hour, right? So it's like people are, they're trying to get certain people out, you know. And um, I remember she, because she was going to like the ballet or something. She had these long white gloves on and this coat. And she was all dressed up with this frozen lasagna. And I remember asking the coat check if they would check my lasagna. And then I was trying to get rid of her, like as politely oh. as possible, because I was like really grateful that she was feeding me. But also, you know, I was about to strip down and get naked. And um, yeah, I just remember that. Exactly. Exactly. There are just some things that should remain friends. But see, again, that was a that bar wasn't that things. wasn't a, you know, like, so t- the idea to me. It wasn't a sex like, club. I, I had um, a woman that I worked with and she would sometimes like to go to sex clubs. You know, we would go as a group, maybe like for fun. You know, it was like her thing, but she, she wouldn't need mm-hmm. a little encouragement. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I always, I always was shocked that you had to like pay, right? Like you had to like pay, you know, like, like right. when I could go down to my local water, watering hole and just go to the bathroom and there was sex, happening. you know, like it, like it just, it, it was right, I always right. I was like, wait, you have to go to these places and they like, you have to pay them to get in. And it just seems so silly when you can just go to a bar as a gay man. Yeah. It's just, yeah. As a gay man, it's just a totally different, it's just a totally different scene, but, um, well, you told me about a time that you got mistaken for uh, a whore, which is just so flattering. It's, you know, my dream come true. So good for it you. It was that, or I, I used to ever... love to be mistaken um, for a lesbian. Back when I was young and twinky, I would cut my hair. And I said, you know, if another girl kind of hit on me, on the, I was like, my androgyny was just right. I was like, oh, I feel yes. I, I, my hair's on point today then. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I'm looking just the right <laughs> amount of lesbian. Oh my god, that is awesome. Have you ever uh, paid for sex? I have never paid for sex. No, um, and I, I'm I, I have nothing wrong with people paying for sex. And I, I think no, I, I think that um, I think sex work is a real job. I think it's real work. I think we should treat sex work as better. I'm all about being sex positive. Um, I. I and we need to decriminalize it, not legalize it. We need to decriminalize it. Well, we do need it. to decriminalize it. And I always have wondered, you know, why is there not more punishment on the Johns versus the people who are risking, you know, their lives to make a living and to do this sort of work? And yeah, I mean, that's a whole thing. But no, I've not. Um, you know, I had a situation once where I, I met a, another, again, going on a date. I met a sex worker who was basically a, a, a sugar baby or I don't know, you know, a, a kept man. Um and it was a really interesting experience because uh, we, we went on a couple dates and um, went out a few times and, and uh, he actually took me out on dates. And my, my friends used to joke that, you know, I wasn't, I was, the prostitute was paying me to go out with them instead of the other way around, <laughs> I, which I didn't see it that way, but it was, the, you know, my friends being silly. Um, but uh, really interesting, you know, I was really fascinated by these people who were kind of kept 
and had these rich daddies and drove a Jaguar and had some clothes. And I always thought, you know, being yes. in art school and, you know, I thought, well, that, that just seems like it's so much fun. And one night, I, you know, I was so enamored with it. One night he said, well, let, let me show you what, what it really is like. And so we went up to the Castro Hills one night to this big mansion and there were all of these young kept boys that were just all drugged out. They looked kind of ghostly and like shellless. They just looked like these shell. I mean, they look like shit. They just look like shells. They, they seem soulless, not shellless. Um, and it's just a haunting experience that'll always stay with me. Like he was just trying to give me a heads up that, you know, so much of that life in a way just wasn't fun. Right, they were told it wasn't as glamorous. No, it wasn't glamorous, and, you know, and, and, and maybe glamorized. that's not everyone's situation. And I hope that's not. But there was a group of these boys that were, you know, kept on a lot of drugs to keep them happy and to keep them, you know, um, nimble and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just I think eventually it wore them down, right? You know, I mean, so they they drove a nice car, but it probably wasn't even theirs. It was probably rented or leased, or you know. And I, I don't know. It just it, they, he showed me the dark side of that. And, um, yeah, but that's mm-hmm. always then, mm-hmm. uh, which is just so interesting. That's so interesting to me because I had a conversation, um, or I listened to a podcast. There's a woman named Susie Q James, who's from the San Francisco Bay area. Um, she was an escort. That's how I met her. I have paid for sex. Um, and that's how I met her. And, um, uh, she has a podcast called The Whore Next Door and talked about her experiencing her experiences with sugar babying and how it turned into this like networking relationship and this friendship and this thing that even after the financial exchanges were done um oftentimes these people were still in her life because of the networking and the support and the you know just the fact that they were fond of one another so they kept the relationship and to hear this it's just a totally different story well, and, and, I, and i'm sure sex. that both just transactions. i'm sure that both exist and i'm sure that both exist in the hetero and, and, oh, and sure. in the gay world i'm sure but Absolutely. you know in, um uh you know, at certain times in the, in gay history, or especially in certain big cities like San Francisco, you know, there's there was a huge problem with nasty drugs, you know, and things like that. And I think that that got intermingled in that sort of world a lot of times, and that's what drug people down. You know, I mean, like the meth and the things like that that were so yeah, prevalent. Yeah, that's not getting any better. No, but it, you know, it kept them skinny, it kept them up, it kept people. You know, like, and so I think that that's probably where a lot of that comes from too. Is I, I don't think that the you know the sure. relation you know being a sugar baby or, or a prostitute or whatever, it doesn't mean that there's not feelings that you can't be attached to your, your person. Um, I, I don't want anyone to think that, that that's the case, but that, that's not the situation that I saw. I saw this, this kind of dark, I, you know, I, I can never forget the moment, you know, the lights were low and people were like laying around and it was just, it was really, it was, it just, right. it wasn't, it wasn't glamorous or sexy. Now there were tons of Mercedes in the parking lot. I mean, they're the, you know, the, the driver right. or whatever, but, um, yeah, but it just wasn't that kind of glamorous. And it's interesting that he was like, uh, wait just a minute and I'll show you sort of what can happen or, you know, like you well, said, I've had other friends that, that have been in the situation. I'm sure there are good situations. Yeah, I've had other friends who've been in situations like that when they 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 did that for to get themselves in a better space. And um, 
mm-hmm. you know, I don't, it wasn't always fun for them either, but they did get in a better space, you know, that there was a, they were able to pay off college debt or move on to a better job or, you know, get out of that mm-hmm. situation. Uh, they're, they're not still in it. They've, they've, you know, gotten careers and done wonderful things with their lives, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were never in a sugar baby, sugar daddy situation? <laughs> no, you know, and I, <laughs> it wasn't for lack of trying sometimes. I, <laughs> <laughs> I dated, uh, my, my friends used to joke that I had a, I had a grandpa face. Um, you know, you got to try everything a little bit um, just to see what you like. And uh, when I moved to the Bay Area, I was very young. I was 18. And so I, I tried a lot of things. Um, some things I don't want to talk about on this podcast, a little too personal for me. Right on. But, you know, I did have, I did have right a grandpa on. face. I, I dated two men for a while. Um, one of them was fairly, very wealthy and... Um, owned a house in Pacific Heights on kind of billionaire row area. And oh he had a winery up in Napa. He owned a winery and it had several lakes on it. And I would take my friends up there and we would swim naked in his lakes and he would basically peel us grapes and, you know, um, but I, I first got into, <laughs> I'm trying not to use his name, which is so hard thinking straight. Cause we, we, we actually did have a really good friendship. Um, I, I worked at a gallery for um, part of that time and he bought some art for me to help with my job and, you know, to decorate one of his homes. And, um, we, we are still friends. Um, but, uh, yeah, I found out years later that apparently he had a type. He liked, (laughs) um, someone, someone I knew also knew him and he was like, Oh, it makes sense. You look just like his last little, little friend. Um, yeah. And we've, we've laughed about that before too, because I think, uh, you definitely have a type too. Yeah. (laughs) But the funny thing about being with this gentleman is, you know, like, I think originally, you know, my thought was, I I met him, he was a big donor for the LGBT Film Fest. And every year, my roommate and I would host filmmakers and artists that couldn't afford, that weren't famous enough to be put up by the Film Fest, and didn't have enough money to necessarily, like, rent a hotel for a week to stay in San Francisco, right? And so, you would, the Film Fest, if you, you would give a description, like, if you have a spare bedroom, or you have dogs or cats, or if you just have a sofa, like, what do you have? And we'd always be like, we have a sofa, we have clean towels, we have a dog, they can have a key, and then they would give you so many tickets, depending on how many nights you, you stayed. And you got invited to some of the VIP parties. And so we would always every year host for film people. And I was at one of these parties up in the Castro Hills. And it was fancy. And I met um, this gentleman. who Again, I'm trying so hard not to use his name. Because um, <laughs> we're still good friends. Anyway, so I met him. And um, I remember we wanted to go down to the bars. But, you know, it was kind of you know, up in the hills versus down where the bars were. And he gave us all a ride. Um, and then exchange, we exchanged numbers. And that's, that's what started our, our long friendship. And... I think at first I thought that maybe it would be something more like what we were talking about, this sugar baby sort of thing going on. But then he had, he had had a, a couple kids with this lesbian couple and the three of them parented these kids. And he had me over for family dinner one night and it was seen, it was very clear that I wasn't going to get anything like that out of the situation um, that he had these kids, these lesbians were like lawyers and they were like bulldogs. And like, I remember he like went to the bathroom and they were basically like, don't you even think about it. Like, you know, and I was like, Oh, so I'm not getting a winery out of this. Like, I just thought I was going to get the winery. Like, like uh, um, wait a second. But no, but yeah. so we became really good friends and he was always super fun. He'd call and he'd say things like, well, you, you don't happen to have a suit. Do you like stupid question? Of course I have a suit. 
And then you'd be like, oh, well, I have tickets of the English consulate has given me tickets to the ballet, and I'll, you know, I'll pick you up. And he would take me to fun places, and we um, had a really good time. But it wasn't, there was no financial benefit. It was just friends having a good time, so. Right, right. Him kind of wanting to treat you and take you to Yeah, and he was very cultural, and so we went to the museums and saw, you know, plays and things yeah. like that. And, and then um, whenever he was up for the summer at his winery, I could, you know, drive friends up there and we could, uh, you know, hang out and, and use the space. And yeah, it was so it, it was a super fun friendship. But, you know, I, I always hoped. Yeah. I always hoped. Right, right. Well, it sounds a little, you know, it definitely uh, has hints of um, of that type of, of relationship. Sometimes the it's not always uh, money that's exchanged, but like you said, um, being able to uh, go to all these cool places and, and, and borrow his, uh, facilitates. Um, you know, it was funny though. I also hoped, I, I didn't know, you know, I, I also hoped that maybe it didn't actually work and then I was just going to be arm candy, but that mother mm-hmm. fucker was a doctor that, that shit worked like, <laughs> like he was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That's so funny. That's so funny. So how about like, um, before you got into a monogamous relationship were your relationships, um, always pretty monogamous. Did you ever have any kind of open situations or did you have a partner where y'all liked a lot of group sex and had a lot of, uh, guest stars or have you, are you just, are you pretty monogamous? Um, I would, say that I'm pretty monogamous. Um, but a lot of my relationships were, you know, re- relationships with air quotes. I mean, I was basically just a hoe, um, when I lived in the Bay area, right you know, like I was just having a good old time. And it, I, Amen. I didn't do a lot of settling yes. down where I had these serious relationships. And I, at the time, like I said, I had this for years. I, I lived with a woman who we went to art school together and we shared the same bed. And I had this sort of like wife relationship that was non-sexual. And so I felt like I had fulfilled that need for companionship. Like I had a companion, I had a partner, I had sure. someone that I, we, we paid bills and rent and we did all those things together. And so I didn't, I feel like I had a void there. Um, but I had a lot of other holes mm-hmm. that needed to be filled. And so, you know, um, I was, I was out, I was out making new friends every night of the week, just doing, doing my thing. Um, I, I did have a weird, for a while, a weird relationship where I started dating this guy who was basically straight, coming out of the closet. We met at a party, and I remember we biked home together, and we stopped our bikes and made out on our bikes and started fooling around and dating, and it was so lovely and romantic. And um, then to come find out a few weeks or months later or so, he was, um, he was also dating, who at the time was his best friend, who was a lesbian. So it was really weird. So he was dating me and dating this lesbian, but he was like, I guess kind of straight or confused or didn't know what he was yet. And and so we were in this weird love triangle for a while. And at first I hated her, you know, like I didn't know her, but I hated her. Right. And I I was so angry. And then I thought, I thought, well, you know, I'm a pretty cool guy. She must be a really awesome chick. He's probably, he's got to have good taste. Right. And so I just picked up the phone one day and called her or, you know, sent her a message on the, socials or something and we ended up getting tea and hanging out and we kind of became friends a little bit um but he didn't like that that was 
Oh. Yeah, that was not good. Oh. So eventually, oh. It, we would have these weird, like, where I would win and we'd be dating for a while and then we'd break up and then she'd win and they'd be dating for a while. And it was just sort of weird on and off thing that um, was awful. And then eventually one day he calls and he said, I, I have a new partner. Um, I really want you to meet them. And I went out on a date with him and his new partner who was um, trans, female to male um, individual. And uh, it was just a really awkward situation, but it all made sense. Like it had had gone, like it was like, this is weird. Why am I on a date with this ex that I love with his new partner? Like like, to give a blessing. But I think he just wanted to... um, you know, end things amicably and like show where he had gotten. And, mm-hmm. um, he started end up doing a lot of ayahuasca and became a very um, interesting individual. So, um, yeah. What is that? What does that do to you? If you start doing it on a regular basis, just, was he just getting into that? Yeah. Uh, it was very like, he was literally uh, like in these, these like culty sort of groups that were flying down to Peru and doing this ayahuasca. And he just became very, he's became a lot, a, just a, nothing bad. It wasn't like he became like this, you know, weird troll under a bridge or something. He just got very like hippy dippy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember seeing mm-hmm. him out once and I said, Oh, mm-hmm. we should get a drink. And he said, Oh, I don't drink anymore. And I said, okay, we should get coffee. Oh, I don't do coffee anymore. And I, I said, Oh, that's weird. You used to love coffee. Oh, and he please. goes, well, I was, I was in Peru and a plant told me. And I said, what do you mean a plant told you? And he was like, oh, I was having these troubles with my stomach. And so I took some ayahuasca and I was talking to the nature and asking them how to fix my stomach. And I just saw this arrow shoot through my stomach and then shoot through a, a coffee cup. And it exploded in the coffee cup. And I just knew that coffee was what was causing my stomach problems. And so I don't drink coffee anymore. And you were like, okay. Well, next time I see you, we can get some tea. Like, <laughs> like you know, All backing right, up. Yeah. You're like, okay, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever's cool for you. Right, right. No kidding. Oh, my God. That's funny. What brought you to San Francisco initially? So you're 18. You just graduate from high school, presumably. And then. um, Yeah, I went to art art school. What was it? I went to the San Francisco Art Institute which is currently no longer there. They just closed the school. I, that is so sad. They just closed that like a year it, ago. It is, didn't it they? is so I sad. It was there. It was one of the oldest like, art ha- schools in the nation. I want to say 137 years or something like that. Please don't quote me internet. Um, you have to look it up, but a long time. They were there a long time. Um, what happened? Because that's, well, and, really and that's a long that's story, but a there's, they're basically, they, um, first of all, they, they stayed fine arts. They never added any, architecture or design mm. or any other programs which are most likely good revenue makers and those those people sure. go off into careers that can then come back and donate and support an insti- institution unlike right. unlike right. us painters <laughs> who are like yeah i don't think so um but they 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 made some bad financial choices they had some leaderships some leaders that um you know just miscalculated screwed up some stuff i don't want to talk ill a couple of them are no longer with us ill about the dead but there was a a woman that embezzled some money i think and um just some stuff happened and you know the bay area the landscape there changed it got a lot more expensive and yeah so it was a combo of a lot of things did 
were you there long enough to see a little bit of that transition? Because the people that I know who live there talk about how before the dot-com boom, after dot-com boom, and, and how, you know, you have these investors who go in and buy big swaths of the tenderloin and they can't even have the, you know, the nuns can't even run the soup kitchen anymore because their, you know, their rent went from 3000 to 6000 or 8000 And, you know, they, did you kind of see some of that when you yeah, were there? Yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't really see as much as other people, of course, but, you know, I lived there for just under 13 years and I lived there from, uh, 2002 to 2015 or so, I think I got my dates. Oh, I bet you saw a transition. Yeah. So I I did. So I was there right at the, um, sort of the, the bust of the first dot com. And so I kind of lived there during the bust time, which which is uh, how I got this amazing, I had this amazing apartment. Um, I lived in three places, well, really four, four places in San Francisco during my, you know, time there. But for like 10 years almost, I lived in one apartment. So most of my time was in the, you know, I moved around oh, early wow. on when I lived there and then I found this amazing apartment. But I got it because um, it was like this law on the rents. You know, everyone had, you know, kind of there was a bus, people would move out, they'd give their apartments, there was this sort of like, you know, dip and everything. And I lived in Russian Hill and this, I used to call it my treehouse apartment. I had, I was one of my only friends <sighs> that had um, their own space. Most of my friends shared. They lived in a big Victorian or they lived you know, oh. they rented a room and so they had to share a bathroom or something. And I had my own little, it wasn't very big. It was like 640 square feet or 700 square feet. I mean, it was small, but I had a, a mini view of the Golden Gate Bridge and I lived in Russian Hill and oh, the trolley wow. cars went down and I lived a block from the lumbar, the Crooked Street. And so. Yes, been down it. Of course. Yeah. Oh my God. So yes, I, I so did see a lot of that. I saw a lot that... of change. I mean, to me, the city really, oh, yeah. really, um, when I first moved there and would go visit and, and knew it, it had this sort of magical, artsy, hippie feel. And then over time, everything became a sort of five-star restaurant with a fancy cocktail bar. And, uh, you know, like it just, it, it didn't, a lot of that moved away, I felt like. Right. Um, right. And sometimes the culture sort of along with it. sort Yeah. Of and I'm sure San Francisco, I know I haven't been in a few years. I, I, I'm sure it's still a really awesome, cool place. Not talking ill about the Bay Area, because as they say, you leave your heart in San Francisco. I love that place. But oh, it wasn't quite it. the same place I, love, I, I, I lived love when I first moved there. Another thing, too, that uh, is the weather changed. It got warmer. I remember when I first moved there, in the wintertime, you had to have a good peacoat. I mean, it, it was... Oh, yeah. It was freezing, and I had to have scarves and gloves, and it, I mean, it would get like, you know, I mean, with the wind chill coming off the water, it's not cold like it's going to be here tomorrow, but, you know, it would be down in the 40s or lower, and, you know, it, it would it would be freezing. And um, I remember when I left, like, you never used that stuff anymore. I mean, you had a jacket. It, it got cold, but it didn't get like that. Like, the wind just wasn't as cold as it used to be. That's mind-boggling how quickly shit's getting fucked up from a, um, a temperature change, uh, situation, but that's, that's, that's wild. Yeah. I've only been there a few times, but I absolutely love it. I can't imagine what it would be like to live there. Um, the people that I knew who even owned businesses or, um, you know, super entrepreneurial, uh, successful people having to, work in San Francisco, but live in Oakland because it was so expensive. Yeah, I know. I knew tons so, of people like that who, who, you know, lived in the East Bay or still or moved to the East Bay or the North Peninsula or a lot of 
excuse me, a lot mm-hmm. of people left for Sacramento or, you know, tons of those mm-hmm. folks now are in LA or San Diego or, you know, a lot of people I know that used to live in the Bay Area don't live there anymore anyway. Right, right, right. Uh, where else have you lived? Oh, well, um, I was born in Lawrence, Kansas, so kind of a, a, ho- a hometown right. um, person here. I, w- I went to school there, yeah. Uh, and then I moved as a kid. We lived on the East Coast, so we lived out of, outside Philadelphia for many, many years. A, a short jaunt in Ohio as well. Um, we also have a family farm in Iowa. And, um, yeah, and then I moved to San Diego where I finished out most of my high school and did that sort of stuff. And then from San Diego, I moved up to the Bay Area, and then I lived most of my life there. I mean, literally half my life and, until recently was spent in the Bay Area. I now call Kansas City home. Mm-hmm. I've been here for um, just about eight and a half, nine years. And, um, yeah, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. So I, I think... What brought you back? What brought you uh, back? My parents had moved back. They were living in New Jersey, actually, at the time. And uh, they wanted to be closer to my grandparents, closer to the farm. My mom got a job change. And they came here. And I kept coming every year and just thinking, wow, Kansas City's pretty rad. And every year I came, it just felt like it got a little more cool, and the restaurant scene was really, you know, blowing up. And and San Francisco, I was just getting really burnt out. Um, I was tired of hoeing. I was partying too much. I had, you know, multiple jobs. So I'd gone to grad school, but um, I was, uh, you know, bartending. I was working one day at a museum. I was running a community garden. I was teaching in the school system art. You know, uh, I was just tired. And... um, my, my parents uh, made a joke that they would give me a year off. I worked on a, for a while, for about 10 years, I worked on an HIV AIDS awareness project where I was really trying to talk about HIV oh, and AIDS in, you, a, in a modern context. And I had done it in San Francisco mm-hmm. and, um, and then I, I wanted to kind of expand that project. And my parents after grad school said, well, we're not going to pay your San Francisco rent, but if you want a year off, you could you could move home and hang out and work, work on seeing what you're going to do with this project and yourself. And, um, I think they were kind of joking to be honest. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, surprised. they thought I would <laughs> never leave the Bay area. They just thought I was, I was there. And one day in just a, a whim, I gave up my rent control department and my dad's like, well, what are you going to do? Wow. And I said, oh, I guess I'll get a U-Haul. And being the good father that I have, he said, don't worry about getting a U-Haul. I'll come get you. And he got in his car and drove oh. out from Kansas City to the Bay Area. And I made a rule. If, if it wouldn't fit in his car, I didn't take it. And he had a big expedition at the time. And so we loaded it to the gills. We spent a few days partying with my friends, my dad and I. And um, How fun. Your dad is a sweetheart. I've gotten to meet him a couple times. And he's just a, I could see how I, you know, what a great dad picking, just picking up, going and helping you out and then partying with your friends. Yeah. Too. And when I first got here, I didn't think I was going to stay. <laughs> um, you know, I had that California snobby in me still. Um, even though I was born sure. born in the Midwest originally. Um, but then I just, I fell in love with Kansas City. Kansas City is an awesome, awesome place. Um, I did spend a year doing my um, HIV awareness project. I made a little short film. It was in the Out Here Now Film Festival. And um, then I took a project to Tampa. And I was able to get an art grant from Arts KC and take it to Africa. And, you know, I, I did some work while I was not working. Um, which was a really great experience. Right, right. And then eventually my, my dad said he was tired of paying my cell phone bill and I had to go get a job. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
like it's time it's time and you live in a great really cool uh up and coming part of the city and i just want to mention it's interesting because um a lot of people especially i think people on the coasts think kansas city or they hear the word missouri and they think um you know we're all we have cows in the backyard and we're living in this flat land um super conservative etc and those places exist any in a lot of directions 20 or 30 minutes in any direction right from the city core but kansas city itself i think um me being left to the dial and being interested in art and being interested in you know lgbtqia stuff and etc there just seems to be a lot going on in kansas city do well, it's, you so, especially after spending do you find I, I that? do and someone once told me um and i don't know who it was um but that, you know you, you in a place like san francisco and there's so many like-minded people that are on your same mission and then you come to a place like kansas city and this is maybe where the you need to fight the good fight Right. This is where we need a little more queer. We need a little more art. Sure. Like, you know, and, and there's a lot of um, support for the arts here. I, I think that a lot of people on the coast don't realize that we are like the number two most philanthropic city in the nation. Kansas City is. I yes, they that. give. We give away more money here locally um, than almost any other place in America. And a lot of that money goes to support the arts. And so, you know, I think, you know, we, we, we are also at the same time, we are. Um, used to be a purple state. We're a red state. You know, Kansas City itself might be a liberal bastion, but, you know, outside the city, there's there's those red hat wearing mother people. And so, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you know, mm -hmm. there's a balance here. But it, to me, I think, like I said, someone once told me, you know, well, you can take your energy and live with everyone else who's like-minded and pretend like you're, you know, raising your fist in the air and making a change. Or you can move somewhere where there's less of those people and do that same sort of action, I think you're making a bigger difference here. And so that's kind of how I feel Absolutely. about being in Kansas City, too. Absolutely. But yes, I live in a fun neighborhood. I totally Called agree. Inglewood, um, which is in Independence. And there's a brand new art center that they're building in Inglewood, Inglewood Arts. And they're trying to revitalize the neighborhood using the arts, whether that's through housing and getting artists into mm -hmm. housing, but also um, community development practices and then the physical having of an art center, a space where people can gather. Um, they, they just opened. They're opening in phases, so it's really just their glass-blowing studio that's kind of up and running. Um, you can sign Ooh. up for private classes. But the the center's open. We were at a drag brunch there on Sunday, and so they're, they're bringing in the community. Oh, how fun. Um, the drag Ooh. brunch was to support a um, an inclusion center, which is going in across the street. It's a LGBT plus everyone bookstore, that is going to support, a, you know, um, LGBT youth or people who are homeless youth. Um, it was it's one of their main missions, but really, you know, just a place for people to hang out and um, find some like-minded knowledge and people. And it's a really cool area. I feel bad that we have we have um, turned mm -hmm. off of horror stories and onto. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad. I'm like at the all. poor people listening like if they're still with us. They're like they're like <laughs> there's there's no swinging dick. There's no there's no talk about butt plugs. Like what's going on here? You've ruined my day. Um we have plenty of that elsewhere. Sometimes I just really like to uh get on with somebody and kind of find out more about them, but um 
just getting back to that a little bit, do you uh, do you consider yourself kinky? Mm, no, not terribly. <laughs> I mean, probably more <laughs> depends on whom I'm in the room with. I mean, compared to some some of my right. yes, uh, especially some of my my poor coworkers <laughs> and things like that, I would say yes, they would they would consider me kinky. But if you grow up in a place like you know, I always call the hyper years. You know, I didn't I wouldn't grow up as a kid there, but you know, eighteen to thirty one, I spent in San Francisco. Um, if you really know kink, then you then you have to be honest with yourself. No, I'm not really that kinky. Um, but right, compared to right. uh, compared you to you know, things. Um, yeah, I don't just have missionary sex if that's what you're asking. <laughs> um, right, right. But yeah, no, I, I've seen some. I've seen some things. I've seen some things. Like yeah. Yes, indeed. Like well, uh, and I what? used to hang Didn't out with you know things? just just uh, living in the Bay Area and being a gay man. You know, I had a lot of friends that were porn stars or that taught sex classes or that, you know, ran kink clubs. Or like I said earlier, my story about my friend who DJed at a swingers club, you know? Um, and so it was always kind of around you. Um, and yeah, I gotta, I gotta yeah. try, I gotta try the... some of those things on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember one night I, I, I had a more of a, a more, how do I say this politely? You know, I had more of a bondage evening than I normally would have. And I brought home a gentleman oh. that was, um, we, we were pretty, we got pretty rough and I, I, I lived with this roommate, like I told you in this little one bedroom apartment. And so we were out in the living room and I remember, um, the next day she was so mad because she barely slept. And she said, I, I had to hold the dog all night long. The dog's collar from busting into the room because <laughs> the dog thought I was getting, um, I was being attacked, <laughs> um, which I was being attacked, but in, in a way that I really, really, in a consensual way. Um, so dabbled, but not really, you know, getting your ass uh, beat with a flogger or whatever was happening in that. No, and I've had and, weird uh, situations like that too. Right, you, were, you know, like something. you date someone and he's like, oh, I'm really going to spank you, you know? And then like, uh, you know, I tried on and I, I just kept laughing. Like it to me, it was, it was, <laughs> it just, I wasn't, it wasn't me. It's not me. It's just, you know, so to me, I, right, I was like, are right. we really doing this? Like, you know, yeah. Have you ever yes, seen yes, Mar- Margaret exactly. Cho has like a, I- skit she does about snm i love her and she talks about passion i have no oh, she talks it. about passion of the christ in the mel gibson movie and she's like and how it's basically like a snuff movie oh. and she's like use your safe word jesus yellow yellow jesus use your safe word and i just <laughs> it cracks me up <laughs> you'll have to uh, google it i'm sure so you can funny. find uh uh, YouTube clip of her. I am, I remember now when you said it, I was like, oh, I think I've heard of that yeah. before. I, th- I mean, that yellow, is a very, Jesus, very famous uh, famous skit <laughs> that she did. Oh, my but God. But I just, you know, a lot hilarious. of times those things I just thought were, I, I don't know, I never got it. I just, they, they, they seem silly to me. I just never got into it. Um, right, right. Right. Sort of, uh, the, you know, the role play, it's a role play. Basically it's like adults just playing, uh, uh, yeah. It's like Dungeons and Dragons without Um, your clothes on or something. Right. Right. I'm all for, I mean, I'm all for people doing that. I I don't want to make fun of anyone by, by any means. Um, there's no, (laughs) we're not making fun of anyone. I'm at, yeah, we just, I like to ask the questions and some people are into it and some people are not, but we're not, um, you know, we don't judge. We don't judge. And like, and whatever little kinks I do have are so funny and vanilla that it's like, you know, like I, I, I like, um, you know, going out camping and doing things outdoors. You know, that's like, to me, that's not really much of a kink, but to some people, maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I like stuff like that. I love, 
Yeah. yeah. I could totally see how uh, that could translate into all kinds of uh, kink satisfying situations, you know, getting my asshole drilled in the sunshine. I just, yeah. you know, yeah. up against a tree or in a bush. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Using so, the leg um, to clean uh, yourself you... up afterwards. I mean, you know, just all kinds of <laughs> <laughs> um, are... Oh, anybody? Have you been with anybody? I, I lost you for a second. Can you hear Can you me? Go, say again. Say that again. Um, have you ever uh, been into poppers or been uh, with anybody who's been into oh, them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. mean video head cleaner? Yes, I do know exactly what you meant. <laughs> yes, aromas. aromas. Yes, I. Um, they, they. I think they come with the territory of being a gay man. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so uh, I, I love me some aromas. Um, yeah, there's you know down to the point where we have brand favorites, brand loyalty. We got we got ones that we nice. think work better than others. Um, you know, on uh, Fire Island, I hear you, there's a, a subscription service that you can get. Yes, what? I, oh yes. my god, are you? Serious? I've never actually like done it, but like I've heard. Jelly yeah, of the month jelly club. of the month club. You, get the you can get the popper of the month, of the club? month club. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that, um, you know, make them that are chemists and things that make boutique ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can really, sure, you can really sure. delve into that world, into a... I bet. Yeah, but, oh, um, my God. It's like it's like bitters for your drinks. Yeah, it's like bitters for your drinks. You but, know? you know, in some situations, they, they are needed. Um, mm-hmm. They serve a they purpose. They serve a purpose. Uh, they help um, in relaxing. you up. Yeah, relaxing you and... Yeah, I, I, and I know all about them, like what they do scientifically um, for the most part. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the the other day the FDA put out a thing that we're not supposed to be using them anymore. And they said that. No, talk to me about Well, that. I mean, I'm sure they're not great to huff chemicals for your brain. I mean, I'm sure it's just not a great thing. But Oh, probably not. But why are they just coming out now? I don't know. Now? Maybe they, you know, for, for years it was always video head cleaner. No one was actually using it for that purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe the. Mm-hmm. Maybe the FDA's got a little more hip, but yeah, they, they did some announcement about it. I didn't. I kind of ignored their announcement. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> How about toys? Are you into toys? Do you are do you use them? Do you incorporate in the in just, the bedroom? Well, I, I've I've used them before in the past. Other people's toys, but I just got my first toy for the first time, like the other day. So it's so funny oh. you ask. Are you? Are you comfortable with sharing what you? Yeah, purchased? I, I purchased a, a prostate massager. Um, <gasps> oh wow! It's have you tried oh, it oh, yet? Well, of course. I'm what people like. I wear my oh. new shoes out of the department store. <laughs> like, have I tried it yet? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So talk to me about this because I like. Is it just so? Is it like? Um, what does it look like? I'm like it looks. Look it, like? It, it looks like a mini penis that has a slightly bulbous head. Mm-hmm. It's not very long. Mm-hmm. It's only about four and a half inches, and it's only about an inch and a quarter round. So you know, it's 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 pretty. Uh, I think I think it looks bigger when you hold it than you think, but it's it's not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has mm-hmm. like a little end that kind of comes down for your taint. That also has little like oh, ridges on it. So it yeah, vibrates. it vibrates that as well. And um, oh, yeah, it's got uh, 
It's got a head on it that swirls and, and goes up and down, and then it's got a shaft that also vibrates. Oh. So there's several buttons and, and several oh. different settings. It's it's quite it's quite. Um, and this was this is like your first one. You've never bought one. I've for never bought one before? for myself before. I like I said, I've had partners that have had toys or you know other things, but sure. I've I've never really gotten into that. And I don't know what what made me get excited about this, but I figured why not give it a try. Right, right. And now I will tell your you listeners, been, if people um, are still with us, um, I, I went around to different local shops to buy something, and they were really expensive. And so I, I hate mm-hmm. to say this, Mr. Bezo, but I, um, I hopped on Amazon, and I got that shit for like a fraction of the cost. Um, it had great reviews. You could read the reviews. You could know about it. It had like, you know, over 1,200 reviews. Right. It had 4.5 stars. And it was like, you know, instead of like 100 plus dollars... It was like twenty six dollars. Yeah, and we don't have places. There's a place in San Francisco. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's um, locally owned, maybe even female owned. Like it, there was one with a vagina museum or a sex museum. I think now in in the actual store in the back of the store, and there's a place in I know Minneapolis uh, called the Smitten Kitten. Same thing, women owned or or queer owned. We have um, we have and, a couple you know, queer owned getting, um, stores here that that I. I I didn't think we. I didn't think we had any kind of sex. We do. We have two owned. that are queer owned, and we have at least one out my way that's straight owned. That I'm assuming is straight owned. That's hetero. Um, I'm listen to me. Straight owned. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's that's more for the hetero folk. But um, yeah, it's Leather City or, or Emerald City. Um, it's just in Westport. Um, it's a leather mm-hmm. shop where you can get custom made harnesses and sex gear. It used to be video mania. If you know of it. Yeah. Yes. So th- that has changed yes. hands and there's a, there's a, a custom leather outfitters there basically. And then there's a sex shop and toys and, um, you can get your, your cleaning supplies and all the things you need there, all your poppers and everything. So yeah, oh, hey. um, that's locally What's owned. That? And then in Missy B's, I forget what it's called, but upstairs, oh, there's the yes. leather shop upstairs of theirs. And, Missy and there's Bees. a shop there as well. And um, so we have at least okay. a couple, um, and they're, they're both queer owned by some gay men. And um, yeah. And then there's, of course, Erotic that's City, which is to out towards Independence. That's the one that's more that's hetero right. based. But uh, yeah, th- those are at least mm-hmm. three that I can think of off the top of my head. So. I'm sure there's more. Okay. Well, that's good to know. We want to give them a, a shout out. But yeah, sometimes you need to go online to get what you need. It just, you know, sometimes you just got to gotta do that. And uh, it sounds like you um, you made a, a favorable purchase. Um, had you been into prostate massage before then? And uh, had you like, have you have you ever been manually stimulated? Have you ever had your prostate milk? Um Yes, I've never called it that, but I have been. Look, I, you, you all can't see, but she, we can see each other. So she's using her fingers mm-hmm. to make a motion, and I would say yes, I have done that motion before. Um, <laughs> I've had someone else do that motion for me before. I mean, let me for that. Um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a gay man. My prostate has been <laughs> well um, played with before in the past, and so it's just you know most people don't know. That's they, they say that's where the male hidden G spot is, and so if you think it's yes, on your penis, yes. you are mistaken. If you do not um, venture inside a little bit, 
there there's a whole different land right. of love down there that uh, you should know about you should play with you should experiment yeah yeah i don't think so, so many pleasure. hetero guys just because you put something in your ass doesn't mean you're gay no that is the dumbest shit i know and I actually, it's just so silly and it's now if you start putting other men I'm, in your ass Maybe you should, maybe, maybe you should we'll have talk. a talk with yourself about, yeah. Maybe, just, you know, we don't want yeah, to label, label, but yeah, but you know. yeah. But, but there could be some, yeah, all signs point to. But yeah, if, if you, yeah. if you use some toys or your own finger or your girlfriend's finger or whatever, uh, that does not make you gay. It's hetero people, if you're listening, please, if you're a man. Knock yeah, that just, shit off. Yeah, just, well, understand and, that the prostate is, is a special place. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, being someone who Sasha and I, excuse me, have talked about this before that I am what I would probably consider pansexual, but definitely hetero romantic. So, you know, I've never been with a woman before in a relationship, but I can tell you that, uh, yeah, there's it, straight men are not as in tune with, um, generally speaking, with prostate and prostate massage and the benefits and just the all the nerve endings and deliciousness that your asshole can provide seriously so i was with somebody uh not that long ago um and gave him a prostate massage and i had never given one before and he had never received one before and it was hot as hell it was so but, and I bet, and I bet I mean, the splooge at the end was just ridiculous, oh, right? It's like it comes from a different. Over my it bed. comes from a different place. It comes <laughs> from a different place, and it is just. It was so sexy to be able to do that with him and to, uh, you know, um, see his his mind get a little bit blown by having an orgasm in ways that he had not had them before yeah you're like and look mom hands free me, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> friends asked me before like you love anal but you don't have a prostate like what's going on up there for you as um a uh you know a, a a female person or a person of a there, there there's still a lot of nerve endings in there well, I try to explain to them just how huge, you know, a clit is with this shaft and these bat wings and then a flat wing underneath. And all of that is tied to the bones and the muscles in there. And um, as I've said before, I think on the podcast, when I'm stimulated anally, I it's like it hits different parts of my clit that just vaginally it does. Well, not and hit. I think there's some, you know, there's probably some mental things going on there, too. I mean, you know, you're you're being treated mm -hmm. different and that maybe arouses you mentally in a way that it doesn't you know i think there's probably a lot of stuff happening. right it's a little naughty it's a little naughty yeah, it's a little it's dirty like, it's a it's little, a little secret naughty. it's yeah and that, that gets people kind of excited and sexy and you know um it does it i, I does. think a lot of it's people just, don't mm. realize which a lot of people do but a lot of people don't realize how um especially for women i think the, the mental connection during sex is so important Right, like, like oh, what's going it's... on? It's not just about like you putting something in a hole. 
of somewhere. I mean, it, no. it, it, it's about you know how you feel, how you talk to each other, the the mood you've set, where your location is. You know, like all these things can be all arousing and stimulating, or or the opposite. They can screw up a whole situation too, right? Like if someone doesn't feel comfortable or trusted, that can just fuck up someone's orgasm, or you know, like no no other. So. Absolutely. I talked on the last episode I did with Sasha about my experiences at a sex club, um, at that sex club in Oakland and how it just was not good. I wasn't with the right person or people. It wasn't the right place. I, it made me feel I, I used safe. To, you, you made me think out. of a joke. I used to joke all the time because we would go to these sex car, or these parties that had sex rooms in them or things like that. They wouldn't, or they'd be sex clubs. I, had, I have a really good um, gay friend. We're still really good friends and he would love to go to these parties and we would always invite a third someone with us so that I had someone to dance with. And so I, we, we would like put Mikey, <laughs> oh, sorry, I've said your name. We put you in the room and, um, we would, uh, I, I would like take his clothes and put him in a backpack and I'd basically like check his clothes for him and like, let him have his time. And then like, you know, I'd come back every like 45 minutes and I'd be like, you know, searching through the bodies or people. And I'd be like, Mikey, Mikey. Yeah. And I'd either get like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And it was like, thumbs up was like, you know, I need like 10 more minutes. I'm getting, I'm, I'm done in here. And the thumbs down was like, I need another 40. You need to come back. And like, I need, uh. I'm, not, I'm not ready for you yet. We used to, so I used to go to these parties all the time, but I would always just be like on the dance floor hanging out and people would be like, well, why don't you sure. want to have sex? And I'd be like, I pay so much goddamn money for rent. That if people want to fuck me, they can come back to my house. <laughs> like, like I live by house. myself. Right. I pay all this money for rent. <laughs> like, I don't need to go out to another location to have sex. I was like, we can have as many no. people over as you want. I'm like, we just, like, I just, and that was, I guess for me, where I'm getting with this was about being comfortable, right? Like, it just wasn't the scene yes. where I felt comfortable. Yes. And, um, you know, if I was going to try something new or experiment or have a new person, I just, I didn't always feel comfortable in those public settings. It's just not who I am, not part of my kink. Um, but I, so I used to always make this, this same, joke. Same. My joke was that I pay too much money in rent to do it at a bar. Like, come on. Yeah. That's really funny. And I'm like you, I think it's really cool when I look around and I see people having a great time and people getting fucking fucked out in public and doing all kinds of stuff. I mentioned my friend cheese that I talked to recently who said he went to a club and ended up topping someone, which isn't normally what he does, but it was just this, you know, kind of perfect storm of situation and it so i'm always fascinated and interested to hear but kind of like you it's it's just uh it's not my scene well um, i think there's a really uh, especially for gay personally. men there's a whole i find it's fascinating the whole interesting history about you know the bathhouse and the underground club and excuse me needing to hide that and um where you found partners and how you found them and how it was a lot more dangerous to find meet people just on the streets or out of a restaurant. And so that this whole system was invented of this, you know, going to the bathhouse and doing all the, you know, the way people acted. And I find that history really interesting, but that's just not the generation oh, I yeah. grew up in necessarily. Right. And I come from these very right. open, right. accepting parents and, you know, I didn't even really have, have a coming out story. Like I, I was going to ask you about that, but you just were who you were. I figured that if people couldn't it. figure it out, they were too stupid to know in the first place. Like I just shouldn't have to tell them. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I, um, you know, like I said, I, I think my parents thought I was just wasn't picky. You know, I was dating girls in high school and um, then, you know, I moved to San Francisco <laughs> and 
I don't know, I was home for the holidays one time, and I was dating this guy, and uh, he wanted to come <laughs> me. spend New Year's with me, but I was staying with my parents outside New Jersey, and so I, I went to my mom, I said, Mom, my, my friend uh, Tom wants to come out, and her only question was, will Tom be needing his own bed? And I said, no, Mom, that would be silly, and she goes, oh, good, honey, less sheets to change. She's like, at least we oh, will contain great. the cum to one room. Like, they're just, you know. Yes, but what a great, yeah, but but what she did and what she said and the way she is and the way your parents are. Yeah, um, so less just, sheets to uh, change. So, so important. So yeah, there really wasn't important. like a need to be like. Very supportive. I don't know. I always think it's so weird to have to go to your parents and be like, Dad, I got butt fucked last night. And I just, you know, you don't have to, do, you don't have to be like, oh, Dad, I know why you made me. Nobody I had talks. pussy last night, and it was the best thing since sliced bread. And I, I just, I, I'm so, I'm so hetero. Like people don't have to do that. Like why yeah. should nobody talks like that? Why should we're right? Why should you have to come out when? Yeah, that's not. How, it just seems it seems silly uh, to me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you know, again, I come from a different generation, so. Sure, sure. And the kids and nowadays, like I don't even know what they're doing. But yeah, the, that were so accepting. It's it's changed again. Like every yeah. generation, you know, it switches. It does. But like you said, I think through any generation, some of the things that you're developing out in Inglewood with LGBTQIA spaces that are safe havens for teens who have been kicked the fuck out or who need support, you know, that bullying starts at home. Well, and so many, times. you know, I, my brother and I were very lucky. Um, he's also queer gay man. Um, but we had so many friends we knew, especially his friends that were kicked out of their house or disowned by their parents or Mm. just had a really rough childhood, um, because of their queerness. And, you know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't always mean they just being queer doesn't mean that they were gay or lesbian. Um, you know, some of them just were just, you know, slightly off, off center and, um, you know, but they just had a really hard time at home and, and that's so sad. Um, you know, he's had friends he's lost to suicide and things like that just because um, so yeah, I I do feel very fortunate to have such lovely parents who my mom also, she, you know, disclaimer, she sold um, in the, in the nineties HIV drugs. So we grew up with, with a very knowledgeable household about sex. Sex was never a taboo thing. We talked about sex at a pretty young age and uh, we would go to HIV marches a lot in New York and Washington DC and Philadelphia and, um, you know, a lot of my mom's coworkers were, um, gay men or they were queer. Uh, we would go to these marches and meet drag queens. And so we, we were kind of exposed really early on as kids. And I remember being a young teenage male. We were living in San Diego at the time and my mom had been to New York and she had seen Broadway X, you know, the, the show where all the Broadway dancers basically stripped down naked to, and it supports HIV charities and things like that. Um, yeah, you have to look it up or, Broadway oh, awesome. X dances or something, but yeah, if you wow. look it up, you'll find it. Anyway, that and they had given her a goodie bag, and it basically was full of like condoms and lubes. And I remember it had a penis ruler that was only six inches, but it said it was twelve, so every inch got a little smaller. And um, <laughs> it had all these goodie bags, and she gave it to me, and she goes, "I don't know if your dad's talked to you about using these or not." And he was like, "But if she hasn't, you should." freaking put one on and you know and if he has and you should know what they I, I forget it was this really awkward thing but she gave me this I, I was like maybe like 14 or 15 and she gave me this whole bag of like mm-hmm. condoms and lube and shit and so at our house it was very <laughs> you know n- not a taboo subject and, and I think partly partly because no, she, she saw 
the world out there and how much it was suffering from sexually transmitted diseases. And so, um, and mm-hmm. you know, she had, she had been through the, the you know, the great epidemic. And so, the, you know, I think she really wanted to expose her kids to make sure they were safe, which is why I, Be sure, as an yeah. adult, even when I lived in the Bay and when I lived in San Francisco, I went to the clinic uh, almost every month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I, right, I had a lot of good right. guy friends who did the same thing. And we always thought it was our duty, you know, like, look, we can play, we can have as many partners as we want, we can have all kinds of fun, but you've got to be responsible. And responsible, if you're going to be right, this right. this active, responsible means you have to get tested, you have to be on a regular schedule, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. When I was having a lot of sex and having sex with different people and group sex or, you know, uh, random, whatever, same thing, you know, just head on over to the... To the clinic, get tested, just be sure everything's cool. Uh, it's peace of mind, and then it's obviously the responsible thing to do. And I don't know why um, there's always and, a, a, a gay men clinic, there's always hot dudes in the waiting room. I don't know what that's about. Oh, <laughs> I'm hey, always, that's I was like, can you, are, can you pick up someone at the clinic? Is that a healthy idea? Is that a smart choice? <laughs> they're there, they're usually a there for a reason, choice. right? <laughs> Yeah, they're usually, but but yeah, that um, being um, educated and caring about their sexual health and yeah, yeah, my friends and I would like, always joke. You know, we even would, if we would be like, "Oh my God, there's another cute," or, or you'd know you'd know half the room. You know, you'd go in there and you'd be like, <laughs> "Like what's up? Buddy? What's up? Hey!" <laughs> a place You're like back. San Francisco is very small, and so, but I think because of oh, that, yeah, people yeah. often. I've always thought this is true. People who date or, or screw each other or whatever seem to be nicer to each other, at least when I lived there, because mm-hmm. the likelihood that you would mm-hmm. see them again and then again and again, like they'll, they'll not only be at your bar, but they'll be in the grocery store. They'll be at your yoga class. They'll be, you know, and so like you just, you, you learn, I think people learn to be less of a dick. Like in New York, like you yes. live in Manhattan and you go to Brooklyn for the night, you screw some girl, but the likelihood you're ever going to see her again is like, you know, really low, right? Like. In San Francisco, right. you will see her three times that day, maybe. Like you know, like you'll wow. to see them a lot, and so wow. I think people end up a little bit being a little, a little nicer. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, at least cordial. A good rule out, of thumb. You know? So right, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel that way about Kansas City and like the art scene. It's just very small, so you just you know, uh, um, uh, just be cool. Uh, we can all live together in harmony absolutely um you doing any uh you got any horror stories for the week are you staying here for christmas what are you doing yeah we are staying here for christmas um we're hosting christmas eve at our new house um you know we bought the house about Ooh, a year and a half ago your house is gorgeous thank you thank you so um pretty. and so really excited about that my husband is an amazing cook and so we're gonna make a really fun meal and then um we're not gonna do anything for two days so I bet there will be some stories. Ugh. We're literally going to stay in our pajamas. Um, oh, that's the so best. So we're, we're going so shopping to make sure house. that we have enough food and booze and, and joy mm-hmm. in the house. And it's just going to be us and the dog and our pajamas for at least two days. Um, and then that we're going down like to Oklahoma a well to visit break. his fam for um, New Year's. So. Oh, good, good. That yeah, and nothing like too exciting, fun. which is great. We're we're always really busy. So low key. Yeah. While st- sitting around in your pajamas with good food, good drinks, and that adorable fucking dog of yours. I mean, and your beautiful husband. I mean, the, that's just a, that's a good situation. Well, and, and I wish I, 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 I have tons of more stories, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to be a little, 
a little uh, polite for the airwaves. Uh, Absolutely. But I also, I, I also, I, I want everyone invite... to know, you know, I've had the same dick basically for Shit. the last eight years. And so my, my stories are from a long time ago. It feels like another, another universe, another lifetime ago. Oh yeah. How I go through different parts of your life or different partners and, um, and that's just, uh, just the way it goes, but it sounds like you were able to sow some, uh, some, so some wild ones, baby, before you, before you married on down. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's right. I have loved talking with you, GK. This has been so much Thank fun. Thank you. I loved doing this. This is so great. Yes, I loved it. Thank I you hope for people coming on, on I Horror I hope people Stories. listening don't find us too boring and that you really enjoy and continue to subscribe to this podcast. Absolutely. I think we've had a great conversation. I'm loving getting to know you. Like I said, I first met you in June and then did another one of your events in November. And I can't wait for the next one. I just love working with you and your crew. You guys are great. So, um, and I've been to your house and seen your neighborhood and I'm looking forward once again to spending a little bit more time over there too, because what they're y'all are doing with the art and the community and it's, it's just, uh, Kansas City needs more of it. I love it. I well, love thanks. it. So thank you for coming on, GK. Thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. So um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Horror Stories. I'm your host, Kelly, and Sasha and I will be back soon with some episodes. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We sure appreciate y'all. And for now, we're Horror Stories signing out. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Horror Stories, Tales of the Hustle. Inspire us. If you'd like to share a horror story, hit us up on our email at horrorstories at gmail.com. That's W-H-O-R-E-O-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.